you, Lloyd. Good morning. Good morning. Wow. I have a couple of things I need to uh, just kind of begin with. Number one, just a little window into my into how I operate. Um, and you can pray for my wife. Um, sitting over there, and I give out a great big sigh um, as I'm preparing. And I know for her, it's probably more of a challenge to have me up here than me, and probably more of a challenge for you to have me up here than me as well. Lloyd, I, I don't know why you put this so close, but I'm going to scoot it back. It's, it scares me. Um, the, other, the other thing is we uh, um, uh, look at Psalm 29 this morning. I'm really not going to share anything that probably is deeply new to you uh, because Psalm 29 when when David wrote it was is it's a worship time and it, and I I believe he wrote it as a reminder as a reminder to the people of Israel of who God was and and so I've I've, I've crafted it the Lord in my mind has crafted it in that way um, and the third thing I want to I want to share so is I'm am, I'm a huge college football fan and Brian won't let me tell you of who so but I am and if you've gone to a college football game or a a professional football game any sporting game the fans go nuts when their team comes on or they score or something happens it just and and the electricity in a stadium with 70 80 90,000 other people is just incredible and, you know, it kind of makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, not on the top of your head. But it, it does. It, it makes, it, it does. It's just, it, it's exhilarating. And as I was um, worshiping and listening to the songs we, we sang, it's, I just went, wow. That's why when I came up here and I said, wow, it's just like the worship, this thank you this morning was incredible. Um. God is glorified. God is honored. And uh, just thank you for, for sharing in that. Thank you, worship team, for leading. And uh, thank you for entering into his presence. Will you pray with me as, as we begin? Father, you are God omnipotent. You're holy. You're righteous. You're you're majestic. And we just come to you acknowledging that. And we ask you to speak to each one of our hearts. And Father, regardless of where we are in life, regardless of what's happening in life right now, we know and we can trust that you're with us. Help us to see that this morning. We pray in your name. Amen. You get on Highway 20 and you drive... 125 miles, maybe 150 miles that direction, and you begin to, you enter a national natural landmark. Did you know that? 180 miles away is, uh, in 1984, is a part of the country that was declared a national natural landmark. Anybody know what it is? Oh, come on. It's Nebraska Sandhills. 
It, it was declared in 1984. It's a very unique location. Underneath it is a huge water supply, the Ogallala Aquifer, aquifer, excuse me, and um, it is sand dunes, the sand hills, I can't remember how many square miles it is, um, are basically sand dunes covered with grass. And the cool thing is, when, when settlers came out, they realized that they couldn't grow crops, and so it's in the place that it's, it's in the state it's always been since the sand dunes got covered with grass. I had the privilege of growing up in the sand hills, and, uh, and you can see everywhere. And if you ever are traveling west, and you got a, couple, a little extra time, you're going to the Black Hills, or you're going to Denver, or you're going to Yellowstone, you can take Highway 20, you get to O'Neill. From O'Neill to Hay Springs, you drive through the sand hills. If you want, you could take Highway 2 from Grand Island, just take a detour on, on the interstate, take Highway 2 from Grand Island to Alliance. You'll drive through a scenic byway, they call it. Or you could, as you're driving to O'Neill, stop, go at Neely, take Highway 14, go down to 91, and take 91, and you'll hit Highway 2, and you'll go to Alliance. I, it's the most beautiful place in Nebraska. <laughs> I love the mountains. I love the beach. But for me, Nebraska's home. The sand hills are home. And so, I mean, it's, it, it's gorgeous. So I encourage you to do that. But one of the things that we did when I was a child is um, my dad, because you can see everywhere, I mean, you can see for miles and miles and miles as long as you got on, got on one, of those, one of the hills or one of those dunes, um, one of the things that we would do in the summer when a storm cloud approached, we would go out and sit in the car and watch it come and just watch it develop. It was fun. Sounds kind of boring, but it was fun. I, I loved doing it. And, um, and the closer the storm got, you could begin to see the clouds light up. Um, you don't see it there, but, I mean, you could see the clouds light up and um, you could see the streaks of rain or in some cases the streaks of hail as it was coming down and I you know I learned what a wind cloud looked like so I can tell you what a wind cloud looks like and so you learn some of those things and you'd watch it and when I read Psalm 29 I'm reminded of those times with my dad and so here's what David really does can you see that little red dot there David tracks a, a storm that kind of starts out here in the Mediterranean Sea and goes over here to the mountains of Lebanon. And there is Syrian. That's what a, we read. It's really Mount, it's Her, Mount Hermon as well. Syrian is what the, uh, I think, what the Phoenicians called it. And it basically turns south down Israel and ends up and dissipates somewhere down in here in the desert in Kadesh. Kadesh. Is that, did I say that right, Lloyd? Kadesh. Now, what's interesting is nobody really knows necessarily where that is. Some people say Kadesh Barnea. Some people think it's where Moses struck the rock. Well, we just know down in the desert. And that's what David does when he tracks that, that storm. And here's one of the things that, that that's what that reminds, reminds us of. And we've all kind of experienced that kind of storm. Go to the other 
that kind of a storm in our life. You know, because when you hear the thunder, it gets kind of scary. And when I was a kid, once, once you could really begin to hear thunder, we got in the car and we came home. And you often do, because it, you really don't, don't know what's going on, and, and the lightning and the wind. Well, this is one of those storms that David, David talks about. Here's a couple of questions. Um, I really do like audience participation or congregation participation or whatever, so feel free to yell out. If you don't, that's fine. I'll answer for you. Um, but when a storm comes up, where do you go? What do you do? You go find shelter. You find a safe place. The weatherman, I mean, the things that he said, he, you know, go to a shelter, go to a safe place. You know, and if it's a really bad storm, stay away from windows and those kinds of things. When, it, when you're a kid, you look for that safety by running to mom or dad or an adult where you, can, you know you can, you can have protection. Um, and when we begin to read through this, I think what David is doing, he's drawing that same experience that he had when he was a shepherd, maybe sitting on the hillside or a mountainside tending sheep and watching a storm as it developed over the Mediterranean and come, come down. So I believe that David was real familiar. So the imagery that we see is imagery that David experienced, and my guess is imagery that we all experience when we watch storms. But then he draws it and he says, okay, what does that say about God and about who he is, but also what's it say about God and his relationship with us? And that's what I really want to exp uh, explore <clears throat> this morning. Um, when you think of storms, let's, let's make a quick shift. When you think of storms, we all have storms in our life. We have the ecological, meteorological storms that come in, but we have personal storms that take place in our life. Sometimes they're emotional. Sometimes they're spiritual. Sometimes they're physical. And sometimes they're related to our job, related to finances, related to family, to illness, to loss. We suffer depression. All those kinds of things are the storms that we walk through in life. And my guess is in a, you've got a storm going on in your life right now. We all do. I would love to sit down with you and just share with you at some point what's gone on in my, my life over the last year and a half in the role that I have with Youth for Christ. Most people, yeah, it's been a challenge. I'm grateful for it. God's taught me a lot, but it's been a real challenge. And is it a storm? Maybe not hail, maybe not a tornado, but absolutely. And we all go through those. We all experience them. And a lot of times, most of the, those things come unexpectedly. We don't necessarily plan for them, but they come unexpectedly. And because we have we're more advanced and we understand meteorology today you know the weathermen can kind of predict some things don't know how somebody can keep a job when they're only right 50 percent of the time but they do but they can predict some things that back in the time when david wrote this 
they were unexpected. And so think about it that way. You get that unexpected thing in your life that takes place. And you begin to ask, I don't know, I believe some people do, and I, I, you begin to ask, okay, where's God in this? Is he around? Is he taking a break? What's really going on? Is he really there? So we're going to take a look at Psalm 29 this morning. And I do want to make a special note. Um, this isn't a theological study, or we're not going to talk about good and evil and those kinds of things. need to really keep that for another time. I'd like to have that conversation, or, I mean, if you want to talk about it, I would love to. But rather, we want to talk about an insurance, an insurance that God is with us when and as we experience those unexpected storms in our life, those things that we didn't anticipate, we didn't plan for, it's not in our budget, it's not in our goals, any of those kinds of things. Um, and so let's take a look. Psalm, <clears throat> Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, that word ascribe, it doesn't mean give because he's already got it. It doesn't say give this to God because he's got it. It says acknowledge the fact that he is, he does have glory, he does have strength. There is splendor and he is holy. Give that to him. It uses the word give him his due, basically. What's really interesting is it says it to angels, to heavenly beings. And so I, I began to think about that. How does that fit with the storm starting over the Mediterranean Sea and beginning to work down through, the, through you know, David's homeland and ending in the desert? How does that all, all fit together? He says, ascribe, O heavenly beings, to the Lord glory and strength. Well, yeah, duh, they're going to. For me, as I began to look at that, is God, from a picture standpoint, is above the storm. Not like an airplane, when the pilot says we're going we're gonna to go from 30,000 feet to 40,000 feet so we can get above it. No, God is above the storm itself. God is bigger than that. And, and sometimes when those things come in our life, we need to remind ourselves. And I, for me, as I was reading this, that's what this was reminding me of, that God is bigger than anything that would ever happen in my life. Do I really believe that? And David is using that as a reminder to the people of Israel, that God is bigger than all of those things. And I'm sure in their mind they began to think about Egypt and Jericho and some of the things that showed that God is bigger than anything, any kind of storm that would take place in their life. As powerful and incredible and as destructive and as devastating a storm can be, God is bigger. God is majestic. He wants us to remember that. 
We need to remember that. Then we turn to uh, verses 3 through 9. And in the next seven verses, it talks about the voice of the Lord. So I thought it would be kind of fun this morning if we played a little game. I'm into, I'm into games. I'm into game shows. So we're going to play this game called Guess Who. Okay, so what's going to come up is an audio clip. And I want, and you're going to have like 10 seconds to guess who, that, who is speaking in that audio clip. You'll get extra points if you know that it's a movie or where, where, where that really comes from. So, Mike, you could win. But, okay, so um, we've got seven of them. And if you know who it is, feel free to shout it out, okay? Keep track for yourself. I want to see who does the best. So let's go with our audio clip. Here goes. I sped. I followed too closely. I ran a stop sign. I almost hit a Chevy. I sped some more. I failed to yield at a crosswalk. I changed lanes in the intersection. I changed lanes without signaling while running a red light and speeding. Anybody know? Jim Carrey. What was the movie? Liar, liar. liar. Good job. Keep track. That's one. So here we go. Should only be a couple seconds. Forgiveness liberates the soul. It removes fear. That is why it is such a powerful weapon. Who? Morgan Freeman, what's the movie? Invictus. It's Nelson, when he's playing Nelson Mandela. Hasta la vista, baby. Put that cookie down! I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> Okay, who was it? Arnold. Lots of movies, did three or four clips. So we had to have Arnold in there, didn't we? We had to. You can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? Who is it? Jack Nicholson, the movie. Few good men, man. Who's got 100%? Anybody? Okay, we got some. All right. It's a great movie. Hello, friends. I'm your Vitamina Benjamin girl. Are you tired, run down, listless? Do you prefer to party? Lucille Ball, you got it right. It's a Vitamina Benjamin. She's doing that commercial and. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. Yeah, if you're under 30, who got that? Under 30. Anybody get that? You guys get it? No? Okay. Paul Harvey. Man, I would listen to him every day. He was so good. It will be an hour of decision for many of you who receive him today. Your life will never be the same. Your home will never be the same. Let them answer. Okay, guys, who was that? <laughs> Anybody? Billy Graham. Yeah. So who got seven of them right? Who got six of them right? Anybody else? You got two of them? 
See, come see me afterwards. <laughs> I didn't get it done, but I was going to buy a Starbucks gift card to whoever got the most right. But I wasn't going to tell you. So, so those voices um, are distinct for many reasons. Paul Harvey, he had a distinct voice, but Paul Harvey had incredible things to say. Same with Billy Graham. Some because, <laughs> if they're an actor, partly because of the role they played, sometimes voices just themselves are distinct. We tried to get a clip, a, a good clip of Muhammad Ali, but just couldn't find a clean enough, clean enough one. And, and John Wayne, well, pilgrim, you know, that kind of, you know, John Wayne, they just, you know, very, or it's things they say that we can trust and we trust them. Or sometimes it's just the words themselves that people say. And so, in essence, that person for us then all of a sudden becomes bigger than life. You know, my dad, my, actually, Mr. Yardley, my high school principal, was like that. It didn't matter what was going on. When you heard him speak, you heard him. I mean, the, the room could be noisy. And it wouldn't, wasn't the fact that he necessarily raised his voice. You just knew he was speaking. My, my dad was that way as well. Um, kind of bigger than life. And when, when he spoke, you just knew he was speaking. And there are those people that do that. And um, you listen. You stop. There's a an essence of calm, safety, or just respect. Because you know if they speak, you better listen. So when we read these next seven verses in Psalm 29, David is, is talking about God's voice. And he's using some very common things that he experienced that we experience to talk about it. And in the midst of the storm of our life, what, what stands out is God's voice. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. It's hard to read that up there, so I'm going to turn around. I apologize. Um, the God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. So, the, so it's forming out there in the Mediterranean Sea, and God is a bug, and, and, you know, the sea is beginning to, waves are beginning to come, there's turmoil, there's all kinds of things, and you're beginning to hear the thunder. And you know what happens when we hear thunder? It begins to shake things, and God is bigger than that. And, and, and when I think of this, God is heard over all the thunder and all the other noise that's going on, on in our life over that storm, over that struggle, over that thing that we can't figure out how to figure out. We, we just, it's, it's bigger than we are. It's, it's bigger, but God is bigger than it. Then you begin to, to talk about the voice of the Lord is powerful, the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Now we're into the, the mountains of Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon were 120 feet tall and 30 feet around. So imagine lightning and wind splintering and destroying one of those huge trees. 
Think about what that looks like. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. So God is even something as strong that can destroy a tree that big, that majestic, God is bigger than. I've seen, I've seen lightning and what it can do and how it destroys. And, you know, then they didn't understand. I mean, I don't think there was a complete understanding of the connection between lightning and thunder and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. But, but the idea that God is bigger than all of that and his voice, his voice alone is bigger than that. Mountains shake. What happens? See, Sirion there, it talks about Sirion. You know, he makes Lebanon skip, skip like a calf and Sirion. That's Mount Hermon. But wh- what happens? I, growing up in the Sandhills, I worked for ranchers. Believe it or not, my, my daughter does not believe me. I was a cowboy at one time. <laughs> Wore boots, hat, the whole thing, Becca. <laughs> I don't like country music. So, but I was. I mean, I, you know, I worked for ranchers. That's what a cowboy is. It's not the kind of music you listen to. It's what you do for a job. Um, so, so when a storm came up, cattle tend to, tend to move toward the, a field, toward as far as they can go, away from it, down around the fence, and they'll gather. And then lightning strikes, and you see them jump like crazy. And they'll take off, and they'll run. That's the picture I get here. That's what's going on. You get that noise, you get that flash, and they take off. What's the other interesting here, and I've never seen this, I don't ever have a desire, it talks here about deer giving birth. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. But the fact that the, the storm can create that to to have nature itself change kind of its natural order. And in essence, that's what God is doing. God can change that. God is bigger than all of that. So as loud and scary as those things are, God's voice is louder. Think about it for a minute. Think about creation. Light, vegetation, the animals, the birds, the sun, the moon, the separation of the waters, how did those all happen? And God said, through his voice, creation itself was God speaking and something came into being. I don't get it. Folks, I don't think we can wrap our brains around it. I, I, I don't. I don't think we can understand it. I think scientists for centuries, and we will continue to try to understand it. But it, Scripture is really clear in the fact that it says, and God said, and it came into being. There's only one thing of all creation that God made, and that's man, which is really interesting. When we see a storm coming, there is a level of respect that we always have. The bigger the storm, the greater the respect. But God 
and when we see those storms coming in our life, but God is bigger than anything that we could ever face. Here's the question that I have, that I struggle with, and I think we all struggle with in life. See, I move that thing, Lloyd, but then I walk as close as I can here. I don't get it. But here's the thing that I think we always struggle in life. Do we really believe that? We say it, but do we really believe it? Do we really trust that God is, that God is majestic, that God is holy, that we can give him glory, that he, that he is omniscient, he knows, that he is omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Do we really believe it? And how do we see him? Do we see him with a, a respect? And I think that's the other side of this that we need to never lose. There's a respect and an awe and a reverence for God. The fact that that's who he is demands. I talked about Mr. Yardley. He wasn't a very big man. Dude, I was afraid of him. Seriously. I didn't want to cross him. But he had my best in mind. Do we have that same kind of respect and awe and reverential, do I say the word fear for God, of God as well? Knowing that he's got our best in mind? He does. Scripture's clear on that. So then we go, if we stopped here, let me say this, if we stopped here, and if David stopped here in the psalm, I, I think we'd walk away maybe a little bit discouraged because it appears that God might be pretty stinking scary and unapproachable. But it's not true. So we move to the last two verses. Here's what it says. For me, and I'll just kind of give you a, I've got a sentence. For me, it's an assurance that God is in control and that I can trust him. The only other time the word flood is used in the Old Testament, that word for flood is used, is the flood of Noah. And it says that God sits enthroned over the flood. Does it matter where I, where I walk, Brian? Or is it just, okay. It sits, it sits enthroned over the flood. And he's enthroned. So God is bigger even the mo, in the one, one thing at that time that had destroyed the world. God is bigger then. The most devastating thing that you could think of in your life, God is still in control. And it says he gives strength to his people. God will help you see through it. Again, this is not an opportunity for us to talk about the difference between good and evil. God will see us through, and God will bless us with his peace. Let me kind of conclude by, by connecting all these dots by reading some scripture out of the New Testament. Because we know the difference between the Old Testament. Jesus came. There was a promised Messiah. The Messiah came. Jesus died on the cross so that we might be reconciled to God. 
shed his blood for us, for our sin. And so if we turn to Romans chapter 8, go to the very end of the chapter. And I'm just going to read these, these passages one right after the other. In all these things, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. Nothing from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Matthew 14. Familiar passage for probably for most of us. I should have had these marked. Matthew 14, beginning with verse 27. This is when uh, Jesus is walking on the water and the disciples see him and they think he's a ghost and he says, uh, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He said, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Here's what's really interesting. And when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. You realize that the wind didn't stop until they got back in the boat? The storm didn't end. Jesus said, come. In the midst of the storm, Peter gets out and then he loses his perspective and is no longer looking at Jesus, but instead is looking at the storm. And he starts to sink. Is there a parallel there for us? Don't look at the storm, look at Jesus. He'll pull you out of it. You'll get back in the boat. The wind will stop, but I can't tell you when or how, but it will. Turn a couple pages over to Matthew chapter 17. I read this here recently. This is the transfiguration, starting with verse 5. He was still speaking. This is Peter was speaking, wanting to build some tabernacles for uh, Jesus, Elijah, and Moja, uh, excuse, and Moses. And a bright light, a bright cloud, overshadowed them, overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, "This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him." When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. There's that incredible awe, respect, understanding that who God is. But here's what's really cool. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw there was only Jesus. Jesus comes to us as God and says, I'm with you. I'll walk through life with you. You don't have to be afraid. Incredible, incredible. Ephesians chapter 1, it, it's a, I remember when I first discovered this passage, 
verses 17 to 19. I used to be able to do this faster, but I have my, uh, use my tablet all the time, and so turning pages is unfamiliar. Verses 17 through 19. And finding the verses even harder, too. The Lord God of our Lord Jesus, the Father, may give you spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead. Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, the power over sin, over death, over the challenges of life itself is that same power that we have. Jesus, and, and that's, that's who we have. So do we understand the access that we have? And then Philippians, let me end by reading this out of Philippians, chapter 4. One of my favorite passages The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. And the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. You want to go back one slide? Can we do that? May the Lord bless his people with his peace. And the peace of God, which is beyond all human understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Now go back to the, the last slide, please. Whether the storm that you're facing, and we're all facing a storm right now, I don't know what it is, but here's the cool thing God does. And he's bigger than it is. And Jesus is right there with you. And if you're afraid, he's putting his hand on your shoulder. It's okay. Let's go. Let's pray. Will you trust Jesus today with your life, with whatever it is that you're facing. Maybe it's a decision. Maybe it's a challenge. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's an unknown. I don't know what it is. But we trust Him. Lord, we trust You today knowing that You're bigger than anything we will ever face. Father, help us as we walk outside, as David did, to look at your creation, to look at what you've made and draw the parallel between who you are 
and how you have made it in such a way that your eternal attributes are visible just by the fact of your creation, that we can see that as we experience you and we experience what you've made. Father, help us to be like that father who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And we just give you those things and we trust you, Lord, today, saying, I don't know, but I know that you're bigger than this thing that I'm facing right now, and I give it to you. I leave my hand open, and I give it to you, and I trust you with my life. Thanks, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you. Have a great week. That's one thing I'd encourage you to do. When you walk outside, look at creation and see God.